Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's Sermon Podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, find us on our website at www.surechurch.com. This week's sermon, November 22nd, 2020, is on the basis of Psalm 136. What a world we live in, huh? It seems like every day we are confronted with things that we never thought we'd have to deal with. Each day seems to bring its own mini-tragedy, and each day we have to learn how to deal with these mini-tragedies. And it makes you wonder, each day when you get up, what is this day going to bring? And we all have been repeating this daily cycle since March, with still a fair amount of uncertainty for our future. Not necessarily what you thought Thanksgiving 2020 would look like, but... Here we are. When you are worn down and tired, when you are inundated with tragedy after tragedy, when things aren't going as you thought they would, this can be an especially difficult time of year. The act of giving thanks doesn't seem like something that you can muster. It doesn't seem natural. Any thanksgiving that you would show would at least be 90% forced and 10% genuine. Perhaps more than ever this year, it is difficult to feel thankful. But you came to church on Thanksgiving. Not to hear the depressing state of the world, you get enough of that on the news. You came to church to hear the good news. So here it is for this morning. In 2020 and always, God has given you every reason to give thanks. Back in March, When the United States really began to feel the effects of an unknown virus and people were trying to figure out what they were going to do about it, we at Sure Foundation were not worshiping yet. I vividly remember telling Chrissy that I was glad we weren't, and I was glad that I did not have to make some of the tough decisions that other pastors and business leaders were making. They were put in a difficult position, and they had to make tough decisions. Now, aspects of that are unique to our time. True. But by and large, all people have to make tough decisions in their lives. You have to make many tough decisions, whether it's with your family, with your money, at your job, or any other life scenario, life is full of tough decisions. And you all know what that's like. You've had tough decisions to make, the ones that tug on your heartstrings, the ones you know you have to make but you don't want to make. The ones you wrestle with, and the more you wrestle with them, the more unsure you become. Life presents us with tough choices. Some of you, when your parents get elderly, you need to take care of them. And you may be put in a position to have to make decisions that you aren't really sure how you're going to tackle. When you're a parent, you have to make decisions about what is best for your child which in and of itself can be intimidating when you think about how hard it is to even make a decision for yourself. When you're a student and you have jobs, colleges, and opportunities ahead of you, you can become paralyzed in thinking that the decision you make will chart the path for the rest of your life. These tough decisions are made tougher by my own sinful heart. My heart that makes decisions out of pure selfishness and greed My heart that approaches decisions with irritability, a sense of entitlement, or self-pity. 
Not to mention the effect that sin has had on my ability to make wise decisions. This is enough to make complicated decisions even more complicated. Unfortunately, God has not promised to take these decisions out of your life. We will all have more decisions to make in our life. You're still going to have to wrestle with them. You're still going to have to deal with the consequences of past decisions. But God has given us every reason to give thanks. And here it is. God is God and I am not. The psalmist starts Psalm 136 in this manner. He says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. Where my decisions are motivated by greed, God's decisions are motivated by his selfless love. Where my decisions are motivated by revenge, God's decisions are motivated by mercy. Where my decisions are motivated by what's easiest, God's decisions are motivated by what is spiritually good. Our sinful nature wants us to be the God of our own life, but that would be a disaster. I can give thanks that the one true God is the God of my life. It is in Him who I trust to care for me, to do what's best for me. It is His will that I seek to do because I trust that His will is always better than mine. Because God is God and I am not, I have every reason to give thanks. In Faith Builders class the other day, we were talking about creation. We were taking time to appreciate how great our God is based on some of the wonderful things that He created. Different things may trigger your appreciation. It could be a landscape for you. For you, maybe it's the vast Sodak Plains or the beauties of the Black Hills. Maybe you head further west to experience the grandeur of the Rockies or the marvel at Old Faithful. These things show you how great God is. But maybe it's not so much a landscape for you. Maybe it's more of an experience. Snowmobiling in the mountains, hunting in the fields, hiking through a forest. Regardless of what really clicks for you, creation is pretty amazing, and learning how God put everything together with such complexity inspires awe in our hearts. The psalmist goes on. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, His love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. Throughout the history of Christianity, creation has been a reason to give thanks to God. After all, we wouldn't be here and nothing we see around us would be here apart from God. God in love created the world for humans. You can see it in the creation account. He creates everything that exists and then in the final day of of creation, He creates the crown of his creation, humans. Everything that he created in days 1 to 5 was for the benefit and for the use of humans, the crown of his creation. Yet humans failed God. Adam and Eve sinned. They rebelled against God. You and I sin. We rebel against our creator. We have failed God. God built this beautiful world for us and we rejected him. We continue to sin. We continue to reject him. 
we push him farther and farther down on our priority list. And you would think that our rejection of God would be met by God's rejection. That's typically how it works, right? You reject somebody, they get upset and reject you too. But God does not work that way. He has not rejected you. In fact, he continues to take care of you through creation. The rain still falls, the sun still rises, your body continues to function. Based on your sin, God has no reason to act kindly towards you or bless you, but he does. We don't think like that very often, do we? As a nation, the United States has been extremely blessed and prosperous, and one of the negative side effects of a prosperous nation is losing sight of the blessings and slowly creeping into entitlement. When you go home today, Google entitlement in America, you'll find hundreds of articles written on this very thing. The general gist of them goes like this. We've gotten so used to the blessings around us that we have come to expect them. They are no longer seen as blessings, but my basic human right. Yet that sort of thinking is incompatible with God and with a heart of thanks. Entitlement will choke off your heart of thanks. Entitlement will drain your soul. What God has told us in the word is that because of sin, we are deserving and worthy of nothing. We have earned and deserved zero blessings, and we know that to be true. We find here another reason to give thanks. Deserving of no blessing, God still blesses me. In fact, he gives me more than I ever deserve. Those blessings look different for different people's lives, but I can say with confidence to you that no matter what your situation in life is, whether you feel blessed or not, you are blessed beyond what you deserve. God gives us every reason to give thanks. The book of Psalms is the songbook of the Old Testament. When they'd worship, they'd use the psalms in order to worship. That gives you a little insight into this psalm because maybe after we read it, you thought, why does the writer keep repeating the same phrase over and over again, his love endures forever? It's true, it's beautiful, but he repeats it 26 times. Well, typically, when they would sing, they'd sing the song responsively. So I would sing the first line and you would respond with, his love endures forever. But that's not the only thing here. Another aspect of the Psalms, but especially Hebrew writing in general, is that the authors repeat what is important. They repeat what they want you to remember. So, here, the writer, inspired by God, wants you to remember that his love endures forever. But this is more than just words. This is more than just a catchy phrase. This is action. The concluding verses of the Psalm describe this action. Listen to them. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, his love endures forever. To him who led the people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, his love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, his love endures forever. Sihon, king of of the Amorites, his love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his love endures forever. 
and gave their land as an inheritance, his love endures forever. An inheritance to his servant Israel, his love endures forever. God continually has shown his love and mercy in action. These are not just empty platitudes. These are words that he follows through on. The Israelites spent 430 years in slavery in Egypt, but God, in mercy, saved them. The Israelites spent 40 more years wandering in the wilderness. Yet while they were here, he provided for them, kept them safe, struck down enemy kings, and eventually led them into the promised land. For you, in your life, God is not just talk and no action. God has shown his love and mercy in action for you. His love is not an abstraction, but it is the scene of Jesus on the cross for you. That is love in action. That he would take you who are slaves to sin, and by his death, he would make you free. That he would take you who are lost in the wilderness and give your life direction, purpose, and hope. That love that we see in action, that mercy that he showed on the cross, that is the love and mercy that endures forever. That means that the wilderness of this world that you are wandering through has a final hope, a sure hope, the promised land of heaven, an inheritance of God's people. As we wait for that inheritance, this wilderness of a world will give us millions of reasons to be disappointed instead of thankful. But the psalmist this morning invites you to lift your eyes. Lift your eyes above the stresses and the problems of the world. Lift them to your God and your Savior and give thanks. Give thanks that God is God and I am not. Give thanks that your Creator God continues to preserve and bless you. And finally, give thanks for God's love in action. Give thanks for His love endures forever. Amen.